You know, I'm gonna give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. <laughs> start laughing! And when I do, start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty ass jokes on my ass, too. Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You fucking guys are unbelievable. Evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast. And today, I am pleased to introduce to you Christian comedian Mike Warnke, who is, uh, if you have never heard that name before, you're not alone. Neither have I until uh, about a month ago when he was suggested by our guest today. And uh, basically, I don't want to spoil too much, but I'll just say that our uh, subject today is a bit of a creep. And so I called in the biggest creep we could find, the host of the creep off, Mr. Vinny Paulino, three-time guest now. What's up, Vinny? Hallelujah, creepos! I am glad to be here to explore this fascinating man. <laughs> this is—I'll tell you. So this is the most uh, experimental episode we've done. I would say the only two that come close in in terms of you know, the listeners not knowing who the fuck we're talking about, mm -hmm. I guess it would be Tom Myers and dad fan. But like, if you listen to the blind Mike project or who are these podcasts, you at least know who Tom Myers is, if not dad fan. And dad was at least on like an NBC show. Mike Warnke. I've never heard of yet in a section of the country probably had like legitimate fame <laughs> in the eighties. He was a big deal. This Mike Warnke. And, uh, it was uh, quite a stunning fall from grace. So, well, well you know, that. he was heralded as America's number one Christian comedian for most of the 80s. Yeah. And whatever that's, that's an, whatever uh, that crown will get you. Well, that's an interesting place because like, you know, I don't even know who that would be now. I know for a while it was that guy, uh, John Christ, who got in trouble. This is this is what's so interesting about the Christian community world. And what's so interesting about Mike Warnke is this will this is what you, what will get you canceled as a Christian comedian. John Christ is a guy who got in trouble a few years ago uh, because it was dug up that he was sexting women. Whoa. And there was some, some vulgar talk. Now, you might be thinking, oh, I mean, he was cheating on his wife. He can't tolerate that at a church. No, no. He was just using naughty language. You know, they'll tolerate the jokes. Yes. Naughty language, sir. It's where you've crossed the line. So, I mean, that is... Uh, a G rating doesn't go far enough in describing how much tamer that is than our guy today, Mike Warnke. So we'll get into it. But first, tell everyone where you can find the creep off and everything else you do, Vinny. Well, that would be thecreepoff.com. Mike, thank you so much for plugging that out there. We just put out a new bonus episode. Carl and I just recorded it maybe an hour ago. We're watching uh, Thunder in Paradise, the wonderful wow. Hulk Hogan 1992. <laughs> That's a great program. That's a great program. It makes me feel like such a fool when me and Craig watch Quincy. I'm like, there's such a better program out there to, <laughs> to dig into. And we're stuck I mean, with Jack Klugman. I'm so thankful you're watching Quincy because Carl <laughs> cites that as the precedent as to why we're allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are trailblazers, pioneers over here. He's pointing at a poster of me and Craig. <laughs> <laughs> if they can watch Quincy, we can watch Paul Hogan and Jack Lemon's army son. <laughs> pretend, pretend to do a night rider in a boat <laughs> it's fucking great and uh separated surfing is back as well right yep we're gonna be back on monday i'm very excited about that we're starting season two for some reason but it'll be great <laughs> yeah yeah I, I remember when seinfeld would take two weeks off in the summer and then come back yes that's right. <laughs> and start a new season 
Well, it was like a month. So oh, was it that long? Slack. Oh, yeah. Okay. I barely missed it, but <laughs> well, you know, the problem is like I do the show with Cardiff electric, the potato who some people know, some people don't, but that ha- that man has a very mysterious life. Yes. And uh, his kids may or may not have had baseball. So we had to uh, uh, move things around, okay. but we're going to be back September 11th. So never forget. Zumok doxing this guy for Christ's sake. Jesus. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> all right. So go check out all Vinny's stuff. Also, I highly recommend you go to blindmike.net after you're done, you know, catching up on the creep off and everything. Go to blindmike.net as you can find all the free links for all the shows I do. Who are these socials that I do with Vinny's buddy, Carl? Uh, Why are you laughing? The program you're listening to right now and blind Mike project, me and Craig. Um, also, you can subscribe to our YouTube. You can find YouTube there as well. You can find our YouTube memberships, which apparently you have to be on a laptop for. They make it real difficult. These pricks at Google. Uh, so I would suggest an easier way to support the show would be going to the Patreon, um, both as a YouTube member and Patreon member, you get bonus episodes of why you laughing every single month. We just posted, um, a segment. Oh, you'll enjoy this for me. We found a segment from, uh, uh, about 20, it must be about 20 years ago. Cause already was on the Howard Stern show and it's stuttering John, your buddy, your best friend, stuttering John. I just got off the same today too. <laughs> <laughs> I won't blow up your spot. I forget you guys are such good pals. But tell me uh, if this sounds like the stuttering John that you know or not. He calls Gary cheap, and then uh, it's later revealed that Gary recently lent him five thousand dollars. So we, we break down that segment as uh, one of our recent bonus episodes. So go check those oh, out, man. Go uh, go check those out on Patreon if you're a YouTube member as well. Uh, all of that it can be found at blindmike.net. Support the show however you see fit. Thank you. Um, all right. Five grand, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's all, I mean, there's also, not to spoil too much of it, but there's a part, part where, like, yeah, stuttering John goes, I never see Gary handing out money to anybody. <laughs> and they're like, why would he just hand out money to people? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it was for, like, a big life event, too, so it's, like, hard to forget. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Go listen to the Patreon. We're not going to give it to you here. Be a pricks. Yeah, I spoke. Tell me everything. <laughs> I, w- I was nice and vague about it. I thought. Yes. We got to get to Mike Warnke. Enough jibber jabber here because there's uh, a lot to uncover about this character. So uh, Mike Warnke is a gentleman that grew up, as a lot of comedians do, with, uh, you know, a checkered youth. He uh, His father was abusive. His mother died when he was nine. His his father died when he was 12 years old. He bounced around. He was an orphan at that point. He bounced around with extended family, was raised by um, his aunt, I think his stepmother at one point. Um, He was in foster care. So really bounced around a lot as a kid. Uh, Not a very stable childhood. And then um, in high school, I guess, a lot of this is going to be in uh, air quotes today. (laughs) <laughs> At least the first half of the program, because uh, there's a lot of this that needs to be fact checked <laughs> where uh, he starts getting into satanics. So, uh, you know what? How should we do this with the clip? First, let me give you a feel for what Mike Warnke is as a comedian, because maybe you guys, you know, we talk a lot about uh, dirtier comedians, edgier guys. So this is a little feel for what passes as stand-up in the Christian comedy world. You know, can, know before we go I- too far, unless I'm sorry, Mike, yeah. can I just comment on his dress, on his oh, outfit please. that he's please wearing? Do. Uh, 
that is a luscious mullet. It really is. Martin. It is luscious. Yeah. And well, he's wearing like the shirt buttoned all the way up to the top with no tie. And he has a big dangly pearl earring in yeah. and aviator glasses, glasses, not sunglasses. So, so we'll get into it, but I think his look is very much calculated to go along with his story here. I would, uh, I would say he looks like a blonde Ron Jeremy if he was like religious. Okay. And that, that kind of fits the vibe he's going for. Christianity's bad boy is what Mike <laughs> Warnke could be billed as probably. So let's get a little taste of his stand-up. I know that when I walked out here, there are a number of you who have never seen me before. Some of you husbands are now elbowing your wives saying, I thought you said this was a Christian thing. <laughs> Praise God. If I'd know this is going to be a hippie deal, I wouldn't have come down here. You know, I don't like them hippie deals, Martha, and you told me this is going to be a Christian deal. You didn't say nothing about this being no hippie deal. If I'd have thought this was going to be a hippie deal, I'd have stayed home and watched wrestling. Get her done. Praise hey, yeah. God. Sounds like a good time. You told me this is going to be a Christian thing, and I can tell you right now, that boy up there on stage, he is not a Christian because he's got that long hair. And everybody knows that Christians don't wear their hair long on account of the Lord likes his little sheep shorn real tight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so that's the level of humor we're, we're dealing with here. But he also delves a lot into his life story and his experiences and what drove him to Christianity. So that's more of what we're going to be unpacking today. Uh, that and lots of stealing of Gallagher jokes. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I didn't find the video of uh, him smashing watermelons or uh, bitching to Mark Maron about it. because like, he was squashing, sure. squashing squashes. That's why. Okay. I'm pretty sure he does the uh, park in the parkway, drive in the driveway joke. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. pretty good. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Solid stuff. All right, Craig, where are we? Uh, let's get, let's dive into the notes here. Where are we in uh, Mike uh, Warnke's life? Uh, his parents passing. Um, I mentioned that. I, that, I, that I did cover. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I mentioned that a moment ago. Oh, I, I, I didn't hear the ages that uh, they died at. But um, yeah, uh, the young. mom was uh, when, when he was nine and the father died when he was 12. Correct. Yep. Um, yeah. He would hang out at hippie coffee houses in the 60s. Uh, yeah, so this is where um, his transformation started. He was kind of uh, on the cusp based on his timeline versus how, you know, America evolved. He was right at the precipice of this kind of 60s hippie revolution. And the picture he paints of his experience of the 60s, and this is a common thread throughout Mike Warnke's life, is it's very storybook, I dare say. Would you say that's correct, Vinny? In his painting of his life, it kind of fits the narrative of a, a fictional movie or book. Dude, it's basically... If Forrest Gump was a Satanist. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great way to put it. Yeah, everything is completely ridiculous. I mean, exaggerated stories to completely made up stories. So, you know what's interesting? I don't know if you know this part. Have you ever heard of a gentleman named, uh, I think his name was John Todd? No. 
Mm-mm. And that's another Christian comedian from the exact same era. And they got into altercations, these two, because they came up in the same time and apparently have the exact same life story. Now, you might be thinking maybe Mike Warnke ripped off John Todd. No, the allegation is they were both complete liars, apparently. <laughs> so two guys, two guys adopted the same life story that we're about to get. So this could also be the John Todd episode, if you'd prefer to think of it that way, apparently. Fair enough. You know, it's so weird, though, when you watch the stand-up that you just saw, those people were eating out of his hand. And the reason they were eating out of his hand is because he was a little bit different than what they normally see. Yes. He came out there very not attacking, but also just a little edgy. Right. Just kind of questioning anything in in Christianity, anything from their their, their weekly Sunday service. Just pushing the boundaries on that, I guess, yeah. even a little bit is like, and, ooh, this guy is he's he's different. He's something. He's naughty. In just a completely dull and stupid way, too. Yeah. Like yes. there's nothing really challenging here. My hair is long. Yeah. It, it's it's weird. Like, cause I I've jokingly said, you know, Christian comedy's bad boy. But it's weird when we cover Eddie Murphy or Richard Pryor or even like cleaner guy, like Gary Shandling wasn't clean, but last week's episode was Gary Shandling. Like Gary Shandling was genuinely an edgy, clean comic. (laughs) And the shit comparing that to this, it's so interesting to think that human beings exist in this country. You can go drive and find them right now. That would think of what Mike Warnke's doing as like, you know, edgy entertainment. (laughs) That's so interesting to me. It's true. It's true. It's just different levels, man. People, different people are different, are comfortable with different levels. Some people yeah. only go up to, uh, you know, mid hot or mid spicy. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? And to a lot of people, what he was doing was really, you know, crazy to be in a church, but then also, oh, it's so refreshing to see someone who loves the Lord who's a little bit different. <laughs> For sure. Now, to be fair, some of it was so different because it may have been made up completely, but we'll get there. <laughs> Let's go, Craig. So uh, wow. he hung out in the coffee houses in the 60s, and one of his claims states that he pretended to have a British accent for eight months just to fool people. So this is an interesting thing. You re- you said, Vinny, that you read the Satan Seller, his, his book that uh, really kind of put him on the map. Mm-hmm. I did. So this this is a claim from that book that I just found noteworthy because I think it contributes to a lot in uh Mike Warnke's life where if that that story on its own that he would just like pretend to be British around people that's pretty mild. Like a, if so if your buddy told you that you'd be like oh, whatever you're I wouldn't a weird, be a weird you're a weird guy I don't want you near me but whatever I'm not going to investigate you. But the reason I found it notable about Mike Warnke is it contributes to this thing where I think like getting one over on people was a real thrill to this guy. It's and I think that's what, that's what fueled a lot of his life. Yeah. His personality is really all about attention. Me, 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 me. And getting things over on people. You're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Um, he wrote about drugs and alcohol use in a way that felt like it was out of an 80s comedy. Yeah, so this is very Tom Myers in the sense of, if you listen to Tom Myers' famous bit that I think we probably played on the show, uh, the British are coming, dudes. I can't lift my arms. <laughs> that sort of shit where it's like, 
Tom's writing on what he saw in a movie where they're smoking weed. And you could hear it probably in the clip that we played. He's basically doing, when he talks about drugs, he's doing a Tommy Chong impression, essentially. Like, hey, man. <laughs> it's that that level of comedy. Where and they love it. Yes. But what's interesting about uh, Mike Warnke is he, he, you know, quote, admits <laughs> to doing all of these drugs. He did, obviously, weed, which led to him um, you know, doing acid. I think he talks about mescaline. There's all kind of uh, drugs involved in his past that he talks about, yet he talks about them in the same way of like the 40-year-old virgin bag of sand thing, <laughs> where when you're reading it, you're kind of like, wait, are you sure you do drugs? What are you yeah. talking about? Did you ever? It's like, your closeted gay friend trying to tell you how much they like pussy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Oh my, it's just so great. I love when it gets wet. It's just, oh, that's the best. Did he ever Did claim? You guys have a weed? <laughs> Has he ever claimed to be part of the MK Ultra stuff just to be cool? Seems like he would. You know, well, it's interesting you say that. He did claim to be. I think this is sim. I don't know enough about MK Ultra, but he did claim to be associated with a guy. I believe his name was. Tim Leahy or Tim Leary, something like that. I forget the Timothy Leary. Yes, Timothy, Timothy Leary. Leary. That's it. Yeah, he claimed to be associated with him and do some of these tests with uh, acid and all that. That was proven, guys. Spoiler alert! <laughs> I know you you hate when I spoil things too early. That was proven completely false. It never happened. <laughs> and we'll get a little more into how his, his timeline doesn't quite check out. But <laughs> oh, it's it's definitely very Forrest Gumpy. Yeah. Um, can I just say, please, that Mike Warnke, the most fascinating part about that you learn about his personality is overall, he's annoying. <laughs> he's very, very annoying. That's the like, thing is he's not a cool liar. No. <laughs> like, he's over the top. He's doing the fake British accent for eight months at the party. He's that fucking annoying guy who's dressed like an asshole who's over the top all the time and is constantly making himself the center of attention. It's very transparent. The more you listen to him talk, how attention seeking everything is. Yeah. I, I think like, so like Louis CK will tell stories on stage and he'll say like, this is a true story, by the way, kind of throw that out there when clearly it isn't, there's no way, at least not in the way that he's shaping it on stage, but it's so funny that you don't care. Whereas Mike Warnke's a guy where it's just like, why are you lying about this? <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a fucking nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you sound like a psycho with some of the stuff that he <laughs> lied about, but we'll probably get there soon. Well, yeah, so far this is all pretty mild. Hey, he did a British yeah. accent that he lied about doing drugs. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, he then claimed that once he felt like he was getting too wrapped up in drugs, his dealer introduced him to witchcraft. Yeah, so this was his introduction to, and th there's a weird timeline where he he was done with drugs, and then but then he wasn't, and then he was dealing drugs and all this kind of stuff. But yes, his drug dealer said, "Hey, man, if you want to stay sober but still get a little high, if you know what I mean, how about you enter the world of uh, witchcraft and wizardry?" Yeah, <laughs> which, high, which yeah, devil. which essentially led him to Satanism. That's where the story really starts to uh, get interesting is Mike Warnke's journey into Satanism. And it was a rapid rise to use Vinny's Forrest Gump analogy. I mean, this guy skyrocketed to the top of the charts of Satanism. Yes, he did. I was trying to 
cram read some notes here before we started. And somebody had written that if you were to take the book and figure out the exact timeline of how long it covers, it's like 15 months. Oh, well, Vinny, it's less than that, my friend. Oh, really? How long is that? <laughs> we, have, we have this uh, note coming up, but essentially, so his story, he, he was in the Navy. That is checkable, and it was true. He joined the Navy, which we'll tell you about in a bit. Let me guess. But, he pretended to be gay so he could leave like everyone else we've covered. <laughs> no, he's not that cool. Oh, he's no. not as cool as Lenny Bruce and Chevy Chase. You ever seen Lenny the Navy with long hair like this? <laughs> oh, you know I'm a little bit weird here. So he graduated high school. And the time between him graduating high school and joining the Navy, I believe, is seven and a half months. So everything that you're about to hear takes place in the next, you know, college semester or college uh, freshman year, essentially. <laughs> Isn't that short? Oh, my God. It's I mean, the guys will t- take notes of what you're about to listen to and see if you can. You know, here's the we're going to start the Mike Warnke challenge here. See, guys, see if you guys can cram this into your next seven and a half months. <laughs> um. So uh, obviously that led to a bunch of Satan worshiping, and that's where he started having orgies and dealing drugs himself. Yeah. So again, the orgies are very now. By the time he wrote the book in 1972, when the Satan Seller was released, he did. Uh, he was married with two kids at that time, which, believe me, we'll talk about that as well. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there, there's evidence. There's at least two bits of evidence that he had sex. But there's a lot of language. Vinny, you might be able to attest to this, having uh, you're an aficionado on this guy's literature. Oh, yes. It again feels like a guy who's taught, like, he, he refers to the vagina as, like, you know, um, I, I forget his exact Satan's wording. Satan's mouth. Like, this this <laughs> luscious pink, Ugh. he calls it, and Ugh, shit like yeah. that. <laughs> it's, okay. It feels like though, a virgin describing pussy again. <laughs> I read this book when I was like 17. Give me a break. I don't know if I remember talking about the luscious. But he's like, this guy's the man. And he's getting Dude, a boner. I really was. I was like, this guy's fucking cool. I thought this was like the coolest guy in the world. I Okay. I'm just quiet. Screw you, I, mom and dad. I'm a Satanist um, now, like Mike Warnke. Um, I read that book in a day and a half. It's an easy read, kids. Big, I'll put it to you that way. big font. And I went to a private Christian school as a kid, and the book was in the library. Interesting. And I was just looking for something to, you know, just anything to read over the weekend. And I was like, the Satan seller. What year was this? When I read it, 98. That's interesting that his books would still be in. You'd think he'd just kind of be out of that circulation based on what we'll get to, but that's interesting. That Not in my old there. school. Not yeah. in my old school. There was <laughs> okay. way tougher things there than this book. <laughs> but good. I remember reading it going, this dude's amazing. Yeah. And I was like, he, well, let's continue to talk about. Hey, so he, far, he's pretty amazing. He's, uh, you know, yeah. b- doing dope and banging babes. <laughs> he's orgies. He's or, dealing drugs, which is awesome, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, apparently he's just rising the ranks of Satanism. Like, he is so cool. All the Satanists think he is the best Satanist. He sure is. And this Satanism is pretty easy. Again, seven and a half months. It's pretty easy to rocket to the top of the charts in this place for some reason. Yeah, we got to get into that. Um, uh, someone in his life describes vivid satanic rituals that he took part in, like curses and spirits leaving bodies. Yes. So 
meaning this person. So uh, we'll talk a lot about the Cornerstone magazine piece that was written on him in 1991. And they talked about a lot of people from his high school. So that's to say, not that this person saw any actual witchcraft take place, but what they did is talk to Mike Warnke about a lot of, uh, you know, Mike Warnke would tell them of instances where curses were put on people uh, you know, all these kinds of potions that people would take. My favorite was that uh, he claims he has a buddy named Carl. Hey, just like you and me, Vinny. We have a buddy named Carl. Yeah. <laughs> His buddy named Carl, um, this is according to Mike Warnke, questioned a lot of these uh, demonic traits. And so Mike Warnke put a, a hex or a curse on some building that, you know, they, they were nearby. And then, you know, they went out and went about their business. And when they drove by later, the building had burned down. And then Carl got freaked out, never to be heard from again. Yeah, there's no such thing as arson. No. <laughs> Craig brought up, like, participating in rituals. Like, yes. when you read the book, he claims he ate someone's finger. Yeah, that's finger. So there's cannibalism. He's claiming so cool. Okay, he also claims that they stabbed a woman in the heart with a dagger. So there's murder and cannibalism, and yes. he's going around to churches being like, "Yeah, I'm a murderer and a cannibal, and I got long hair. So what? The Lord loves you." Yeah, so and, I was I had this in my notes, but I was hoping you could paint a little more of a picture because I couldn't figure out. They talk about uh, cutting off this guy's finger and tasting it. By the way. I guess that's the reason they did it was like to to taste human flesh or something like that. According to Mike, do you have? Is there any? Is there any other background to these things, or is it just because it was Satan?y Man, this is what the devil would do. Satan?y He made it up, Mike. That's a, that's a good point. I'm like, Vinny, why are they doing these things? It's no statutes on murder. So, yeah, he's definitely lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. He would talk about these rituals. And that's what's interesting about people believing Mike Warnke's story is that this was not only published in a book, but we'll get to his success in, in stand-up comedy and touring and uh, all these speaking engagements. Um, people believe this story. And yet just upon, you know, I researched Mike Warnke for a few hours and within that time, I couldn't find a single thing that linked one of his stories to another in the way that makes me say like, Oh, maybe that's why this was happening. There's no logic to anything that he says, which is why I'm curious as to why people believed him so much other than Vinny, uh 17 year old in his high school library who's bored and is just like this guy seems cool other than that i don't know why any adult would believe this guy well we can settle this right now what section of the library did you find this in probably biographies but it's you're right nobody should have believed this because the shit that happens in that book at one point he meets Charles Manson at a Satanist rally. Yes. Yeah, During yeah. the time that Charles Manson's like locked up in prison. This is, these are like simple fact checks that the Christians would much rather believe that this evil, evil man was converted to Christ, showing the power of Christ's love and compassion on a sinner than fact check the fact that this guy's just a liar taking your money. <laughs> it, it made me realize something interesting too, that, 
Um, you, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the years. Uh, there's a clear reason why pedophiles would be driven to the church. <laughs> That's been well documented. But it dawned on me through watching this. That, <laughs> it dawned on me through watching this that like lie pathological liars of any kind would probably be driven to the the church because if you just have a sob story that God healed, they'll believe you. They're not going to poke too many holes in it. They want to believe that shit. That's true. The whole principle of everything is faith, choosing to believe. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's uh, what it all is. It's faith, man. I choose to believe something. Okay. This yeah. guy, your pastor is invited a comedian to come to your church. You trust your pastor, right? Right. Exactly. And here comes Andy's kind of cool. <laughs> oh, human wombat hybrid comes walking <laughs> up to the stage with this long hair and gaudy jewelry. And he starts telling you about how God saved him from the clutches of Satanism. You're like, come on back next week. Want to hear more stories. You entertained everybody. That's all he had to do was be entertaining in a church. And it's printing money, baby. Right. Yeah, so he's cutting off fingers, he's stabbing women in the heart, he's uh, fucking animals, he's having orgies, whatever he, whatever he's doing. Hanging uh, out with Charlie Manson. And then also, weird fact in that book, somehow yep. he ends up marching with Dr. King. <laughs> That's another, yeah, so the, the um, what was the Forrest name I said before, Timothy Lahiri? Mm-hmm. Tim Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary. Um, I don't know why I keep getting that wrong. Charles Manson and MLK, these seem easily fact-checkable, but the, to me... The Navy thing seems much more fact checkable. Like the idea that all this happened in seven and a half months, no one popped up and said like before 1991 and was like, that seems a bit odd. No, (laughs) because when he wrote this book, it's not like he was an old man that squeezed all this into a lifetime. He was 26 years old when he wrote the book. That is also very telling when you read the book, but (laughs) right. Right. And I say that the people who bought this, and that, you know, who it was marketed to are not critical thinkers, Mike. <laughs> That's a, a, a great point. <laughs> They're not critical thinkers. Yeah. So when he gets done tasting fingers, Craig, what else is he doing? Um, the next note is one of my favorite descriptions, especially after hearing a little more. Uh, his rise through the ranks of Satanism had a Harry Potter feel to it. Yeah, there was a lot of there were a lot of potions and there were a lot of, you know, healing people and and smiting their enemies and witchcraft, which, again, like. It's one thing to be a Satanist and it's one thing to believe in the powers of Satan and everything, but even this is let's not forget, this is the 60s. It's not, you know, 1400. It's pretty easily fact checkable that men weren't out walking around just committing witchcraft on every corner. <laughs> right. Um, and, oh, go ahead. oh, I'm sorry, Craig. No, you're good. I, I was going to change want, subjects. I, again. I didn't want to change the subject. I, I just wanted to say um, that your point is right. There was none of this was happening. This isn't like a real thing. There isn't like these types of satanic cults and stuff don't exist. Like that's not real. Like the people who were practicing Satanism, like Anton LaVey are a bunch of dorks and cloaks. <laughs> That may have had orgies and shit, but they're not sacrificing humans. Like all of this is so beyond what any of that is. It's insane. Well, so this is in the early days of our Patreon. Craig and I talked about an old friend of mine uh, that's known as Garrison, the bartender. Mm -hmm. He was a kid I worked with uh, years ago and he was a pathological liar. But, and what I always say about pathological liars is like, I wonder if, 
is there an element where they perceive things like this? Like, do they believe their own bullshit or are they knowingly lying? I'm fascinated by that. But when you take my buddy Garrison, the bartender, he's telling stories about, you know, how he fought Cain uh, Velasquez in college and um, he did comedy with Joe Rogan, like all this stuff that's not at all believable, but it's possible for a human being to do. <laughs> Again, with Mike Warnke, he's taught, he's, he's built up this, uh, you know, origin story of a supervillain. Like these are things that would be written for Arthur Fleck, not not a real man that exists in the world. Dude, when he describes what he looked like, he he becomes he he rises the ranks. He's the head now of in the seven and a half months. He's in charge of all the Satanists in California. Yeah, and yeah, it's a six it's a six year old's rise to, and it's like and then and then me and MLK marched through the street, and then I was president of Satanism, and then I started then a shrimp like, company. He described what he looked like. He said he was frail, pale, and skinny, and his nails were like 10 to 12 inches long. He had super crazy long nails, like fucking Gary Oldman and Dracula, and like uh, long, scraggly hair, which, yes, check, he does have. He does have long, scraggly hair. But in seven and a half months, you can't grow your nails out 10 inches. You can't lose 100 pounds, you fucking... Like, he's as fat as I am. Well, not only that, but... Both, uh, you know, eyewitness testimony, meaning people, family and people he went to school with, and photographic evidence displayed that Mike Warnke in high school was your typical clean-cut 1960s white guy. Yeah. Like, he, he had maybe longish hair, but nothing crazy. He didn't have a, the scraggly mutton chops or anything at the time. He was a pretty clean-cut guy, and they described him as kind of a square and like he would talk about even when he was a kid, he was so dark and mysterious. But the women that took care of him, his stepmom and his aunt in this Cornerstone magazine piece, would talk about, no, he was actually a pretty like cheerful kid. Like we didn't see that side of him. At, we don't know what he's talking about. We didn't see that, see that side of him at all. <laughs> this is because his dad beat him. That's all. Well, Craig and therapy, you learn that's really all what it comes down yeah, to. Right. You know? <laughs> that's right. Uh, any more Satan thoughts before we move on here? Well, I just want to point out that him, you know, pretending to be the leader of the Church of Satan in the state of California and then going around touring the country saying you were the leader of the Church of Satan in California is a very odd thing that that never caught up with him either. Like nobody walked up and was like, hey, man, I I don't remember you from the meetings. Like (laughs) nobody ever. Right. But again, it, I will say what this is true proof of is that it was so much easier to lie in the. But this internet has fucked yeah, the us all. Internet's garbage. Internet and video have really screwed us to, to to bits because it was just so easy to lie back then. You just walk into a bar, say, "Hey, I'm the head of Satanism, and I I eat fingers and uh, I have orgies," and people will be like, <laughs> "No shit, huh?" <laughs> Yeah, buy me around. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> uh, so in 1965, he attended a, uh, a big satanic gathering, and it caused a realization that changed his beliefs. When he realized he was part of mankind, it shaped a new belief in God. Well, sort of. So the way I wrote that is sort of misleading, and that's because, yet again, Mike Warnke's timeline is a little misleading. So... This this is a big uh, convention, I guess, or conference that they would have in Salem. It seems awfully organized for Satanists to be like, "Ah, hey, we're going to the big meeting this this month." 
Yeah. What but, a what an on the nose choice too. We're gonna go to Salem. Yeah, very very hack. <laughs> be like, you know where we're gonna go. Obviously, ooh, very spooky of us. All the, the state decide over for Palm Springs. I'm just saying. The I'm Mecca. sure it was right around Halloween too. Real original. <laughs> but uh, so they have this big. It, it it seemed like. Uh, you know, uh, when they have Radio Row at the Super Bowl and all the all the media figures. If you're not there, you're not a Satanist, essentially, if you, if you miss this thing. But there, Mike Warnke starts to realize, like, wait a minute. If Satan is this powerful, and this is backed by, like, in his mind, I guess he, he referred to it as, like, corporate. Like, this was backed by legitimate funding. And so he looked at it and said, like, well, then Satan must be in control of everything, and that must mean there's a God. His explanation didn't make any sense because essentially what he describes is this whole realization led him to realizing that he is a man and that mankind exists. And I maybe that horseshit works for <laughs> Christians, but you're kind of reading it just like, what did you think you were before? I don't get it. What are you talking about? <laughs> I actually think it's more insidious than, you, than you're thinking here. If you Just, cut a finger off, does it not bleed, Vinny? You know? It sure does. But that particular <laughs> line of what he's teaching people, yeah. here's what he's doing. Okay. What he's doing is he's setting the table, Mike. He's a con man. No, you know, he's a con man. Sure. Satan has unlimited resources. Satan has this, that, and the other. Won't you please help my ministry? I'm going head to head with these guys who have all this oh, money. All interesting. This He's setting the table for money, baby. Love that. That makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense. That's why we have Vinny here, who's a Satan seller expert. It's the one thing he knows, and he knows it well. No, I know churches, man. And if they can figure <laughs> out how to play on your heartstrings for the dollars, it seems to me that's the logical tie in there for what his end goal was. It's truly amazing, even just to tie it into like, you know, Joel Osteen and pe people that exist. Like, this exists now. <laughs> you know what I mean? In some form or fashion. Yeah, that was exactly where, who I thought of when. Yeah, when where people are just that. fleecing you and yeah. like. Uh, well, could you Mike fucking imagine if Joel Osteen's up there going, yeah, I killed a lady in a satanic <laughs> ritual and ate her finger? Yeah. It would never get this big now. This would never happen again. We're, and we're, but not only he says that, and we're all just like, wow, pretty cool. Where, where do we get your book? That's pretty cool. No way. <laughs> <laughs> um, he gives a vague explanation for leaving Satanism after going to rehab. And when he got yeah, out. So supposedly, yeah. supposedly sells, uh, sells everything he owns for drug money after he gets out of rehab, which he was kind of even vague. Again, to Vinny's point, it probably didn't happen. I don't know why I'm scrutinizing it so much. But but he's vague about, like, why he went to rehab exactly or what forced him into rehab. Because when he got out, supposedly, he sold all of his belonging, belongings for drug money. Um, and then is that when he joined the Navy shortly thereafter, Craig? I forget. Uh, uh, during a suicide attempt, he, de oh, <laughs> he decided to stay one. and join the, the Navy. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> So he brings a gun to a coffee shop. He's back in one of these coffee shops, these hippie coffee shops. That's right. Uh, but I, I was confused. I think this one was on campus or something because he describes um, a Christian. I forget what they were called exactly, but some some singing group like, they, you know, they sing those uh, Christian hymns or whatever the fuck they sing. The cool 
Yes, and they happen to walk by singing one of their ditties, as they do whenever someone is about to murder themselves in public. <laughs> Luckily, they walked by right at the exact time, and something about that stopped Mike Warnke from killing himself. Now, what's interesting about that is he didn't, in his, he was like, oh, I didn't know these existed. Maybe I can become one of these guys. Now, again, uh, people that know him in their accounts say that Mike Warnke prior to the date that he's talking about was actually a part of one of these Christian groups and did perform with them in, in, in song. So again, the timeline doesn't quite add up. It's very Crystalia to be like, Hey guys, if you don't feel sympathy for me yet, I was about to kill myself. And then we all go, Ooh, okay. Now we'll donate. <laughs> I don't think a hymnal would have saved our Bud Dwyer. I don't think so. <laughs> imagine, imagine how history would be different. Right. Um, if they sang a jaunty tune by <laughs> the podium that day. Uh, it, it the she. <laughs> you know what? I don't think I'm going to do it. I think this tune is really. You guys almost saw something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't myself there for a minute, but thank God for you, sisters. <laughs> I think I've got my head about me still. Um, but him not actually killing himself is where he decided to join the Navy, and that is where he found Jesus officially. Uh, this one's going to surprise you guys, but yet again, some uh, there's a fly in the ointment. There's something that doesn't quite add up, because there are some people that said he was very like straight-laced in the Navy. But he describes it as the Navy had to like whip him into shape and that, you know, he found these uh, other religious people that convinced him to join. Like he would find, you know, the Bible in their in their one of their bags. And that's what led him to Christianity. Apparently none of this happened. Uh, I forget the specific. I, I keep saying I forget the specifics. There were no specifics. <laughs> it just wasn't true. Like, again, the timelines don't add up. Um, he talks about, uh, so he talks about the Navy a lot on stage, which is interesting. Um, because again, he was in Vietnam, but he also, he has elements of that, that you question because the reason he earned a purple heart, he, he writes, he has two books. The Satan seller is not the only book that he wrote and in both in each book, he has a dis different description as to why he earned the purple heart. So like even stuff like that is like, how did anyone not catch this before 1991? <laughs> well, because Mike was a fly by the seat of his pants kind of a guy, dude. <laughs> That's true. He, dude, the stories that I've heard about this guy, what he was doing when he was, you saw that video. Well, Craig saw the video of, him at this church and there was like a thousand people easily at this church. Yeah. This guy was such a master manipulator. He would look around for, he had, he knew how to be a man instead of just being a hippie. I was in Nam. I was in this and he'll go into a crazy war story. And then he'd go into the crazy Satan stories for the kids. He was yeah. just being an entertainer. Everything. Like I think the second book, he ended up writing just because he needed more material to throw out at churches. And, hey, everybody, I've been around to all the churches the first time. 
you know, they already bought the Satan seller. Now I need my second book yeah. so I can go around and sell it on the circuit. Everything, all of these lies are so fucking calculated. Well, what's interesting about him and what I think people could learn from him going forward maybe is he does seem when you watch his stand up, like the material certainly doesn't do it for me, but we heard people laughing. He's a polished entertainer and enough people enjoyed his book to where I guess maybe he could have, I get, I think I was going to say he could have been a good fiction writer. I think it loses a lot of luster. The fact that it's not true, but it's like, if he just tried to be an actor or a clean stand-up or whatever he wanted to do, if he just got into entertainment, I don't think he has the massive fall from grace. He also probably never hits the highs that he hit, but you don't, you're not constantly looking over your shoulder that someone is going to disprove every lie you've ever told. If you're just an observational comic. Well, exactly. You know, you could play Christian rooms, you know, this whole thing, all of these books, all of these lies, wildly unnecessary to the end game of being a comedian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think if you want to make the money that he was making, again, maybe you have to have a little a bit of a backstory, but like they're clean comic. Like I said, this John Christ guy did pretty goddamn well playing these and his worst sin was texting too harshly <laughs> to some woman, I guess. But like it, it's it's a, a tactical error, I would say, on his part to try to pepper this many lies into his backstory. And that's the thing. It, you know, maybe he wouldn't have gotten as far as he got. But the reality is his stand up is just all this milquetoast stuff. He'd be done with this stand up and then he'd go into now I'm going to tell you stories about the devil worshiping in the and, you know, the jungle and the muck and knob. Yeah, it would, it, it would go that way at the end. So you're absolutely right all unnecessary. It was all fluff and it was all designed just to build up his ego and create like this folk hero in the Christian world. Right. Right. Um, So anything more before we move away from it, anything more you wanted to say about uh, the Satan seller? Cause I know you own like six copies of it. You were a big fan. Oh yeah. You get them cheap now. Real cheap. (laughs) Uh, You know, like you said, it ends very strangely. He joins the Navy and that's like the end of it. So when I walked away from it, I had no idea that this guy was a comedian. <laughs> I had no idea that this guy had a whole ministry because by the time I read it, he had already been discredited and like out of the business. Yeah. So yeah. I just thought this was a dude who wrote a book. And did I, can I say, I'll say this now. I saw him do stand up. Okay. I went and watched it because I thought that's who this guy was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And boy, was I surprised when I showed up. <laughs> I but he's got his Black that. Sabbath t-shirt on. <laughs> Dude, I was like, okay, I get that this is like a Christian guy because the event was at a church, but I was in Fort Worth, Texas, and I saw a flyer, Mike Warnke in concert, five bucks. And I was like, yes, same dude. <laughs> I went by myself lips. to some Baptist church and I walk in and I sit in the back and I'm like the only person I know there. And he got up and he just did that exact kind of thing. Everybody's looking at my long hair, judging me by my of that. And he goes through all of this, starts telling stories about the army, does the thing about Satan, and then ends with a whole diatribe about how Christians assaulting Christians and trying to tear down other Christians yeah. is the real problem with the church. And that's what he really wants people to realize is that he knows where he was. He knows what he did. You weren't there. 
<laughs> it's a great closer, I gotta say, to be like, hey, guys, when I was 22 years old, I cut a finger off and ate it. Here's how it happened. You know? <laughs> it is a pretty good, it's captivating, if nothing else. Yeah. I was like in the audience waiting for him to summon a demon. He does a whole chapter about that. Like, it's a crazy <laughs> story for what this guy actually is. Yeah, the, the the first victim of cancel culture, Mike Warnke. So um, uh, Christian's got one thing right. What do you know? <laughs> so I guess um, he started off playing like these Christian coffee houses and coffee houses really played a big part of this guy's life. It seems he like loves espresso. That's guy. <laughs> yes. He loves a good cappuccino and uh, he's playing these, you know, church basements and things like that. And uh, he's doing he's doing well. He's not, he's not a name yet. And I guess one night, um, a Christian band, some Christian musical act, uh, that had some notoriety was recording. And when they got them recording, their recorder kept going and Mike Warnke got on stage and did very well. And so one way or another, that tape ended up getting out there and he started to kind of like we talked about Red Fox where these like or the jerky boys might be a better example where like this tape started getting passed around in these circles where he kind of started to make a name for himself. And so he gained popularity that way. Um, in 1985, this is probably the peak of his popularity when he was featured on 2020, I guess 2020 did a segment or an episode on, um, you know, Satanists and, and, uh, you know, demonic, figures were being reformed by Christianity, that sort of shit. And Mike Warnke was a central figure in all of that. So like in that world, like I guess in a way in, you know, satanic Christian comedy, that's like being on 2020 is like the Carson call over to the couch. They're like, come here, kid. Let's see what do else you, you got. Do you realize what a lesson that is just about the media in general mm-hmm. that they brought <laughs> that guy out as an expert? Great point, Vinny. You know what? I didn't even think of the 2020 angle when I was thinking about all this. We're like, yeah. how did this get by 2020? They were like, <laughs> yep, everything seems good here. <laughs> he did Larry King Live, too. He's did a lot of like TV stuff. They used to trot him out as an expert on the occult. Yeah, and you know, it, it, it goes to show you that like maybe we are better off in media now because we talk about now how everything is biased to one side or another. And, you know, um, uh, the, the, the fake news media and all of that. But back in the day, you know, you had a few radio stations and you had three network television stations and that's where you got your information and the newspaper. These places are where you got your one local newspaper, essentially maybe two in bigger markets. And And all that stuff does is legitimize this guy. Yep. And yeah. And, but, but you realize like, Oh, the people in 1978 were just as lazy as journalists today. We just didn't know any better to question them. <laughs> it's true. And you know, the intro they gave him to has got to be ridiculous on Dateline. This former oh. cannibal murderer is yeah. now telling jokes for Jesus. It's Mike Warnke. Well, in a way that what they probably did was similar to how like, you know, James Holmes, the uh, uh, Aurora Colorado shooter where they yeah. called him the Joker. I'm sure they did it in in a similar fashion, but with an even worse twist because Mike Warnke has this redemption arc that I'm sure they built up as well. Yeah. And I mean, he none of this is deserved. Again, this is an <laughs> annoying fucking kid who ran around doing a British voice for months, bothering everyone. 
makes a, plays in stupid bands, was in the Navy, and just made all of this up. And now he's on national television claiming to be an expert. He was a nerd. And you know what's crazy is, like, people, I, I don't know enough about, you know, the rock and roll scene at this time. Or Vinny, you know, like, wrestlers very well. Like, uh, any, any figures like that that are extreme in one direction, if it's exposed that they're not really that guy, they'll take a lot of shit for it. Hulk Hogan. But like, <laughs> sure. Well, that's different though, I think. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying where it's like, oh, you know, I saw a fucking uh, Ozzy Osbourne at a fine dining establishment this week. He's not really <laughs> eating bats all the time. Like, right. They'll take shit for that. This is legitimately a guy who's scamming people and trying to change their faith in God or lack thereof based on a complete bullshit persona. That's what's crazy is that it was allowed to go on that long. Well, what's even crazier is, man, if you know anything about how these ministries work, is they are tax exempt as well. Oh, yes. And so what this gentleman did, what Mike did after yeah. during all of this fame in the 80s, is he created Mike Warnke Ministries, which literally yes. did nothing but book this guy for dates. That actually that actually leads into the next bullet point. Um, oh, good. Is that uh that the the salary he was making towards the end of the eighties? Yep. So what's the name of that church, Craig? It's the Holy Holy Orthodox Catholic Church in Kentucky. Yes. So that's where he ended up filtering a lot of his money through. And at the end of the eighties, and I wasn't able to find. I don't think it was technically illegal, or at least not proven that he was committing fraud or anything like that. I think it's just more of a, a Joel Osteen situation, like we said, where uh, by the end of the 80s, um, him and his wife at the time, Rose, were uh, major figures in this holy Orthodox uh, Catholic Church of Kentucky. And they combined were making uh, $2 million a year by the end of the 80s. It skyrocketed to when they started there and were put on the payroll. It was like $30,000 a year. And then the next year, I think his salary doubled and hers tripled. And then, you know, that's, let's say, 1982, I think, if my timeline is correct. And then by the end of the 80s, it was about $2 million a year. So I love how if you go and you look at any of these big ministries, even the ones now, all these guys find a way to get their wives on the payroll. Oh yeah. They all find a way to get their wives involved in this. Yep. I'm telling you. And I mean, it's crazy. What was the story with Joel Osteen like a year or two ago where like, uh, they found money in his walls or something like that. Yeah. I don't know about <laughs> the, that. The, he, he, he claimed that like this money was stolen and maybe through an act of God, it was found in his walls. Can you believe it? It's a miracle. <laughs> Who would have thought? Hallelujah. I'll just cancel that police report now. It's amazing. I mean, it's been, this is not an original point by any means, but it truly is amazing. The more when you see stories like Mike Warnke, where it's like, how does anyone still have faith in organized religion? It's nuts. Uh, from NBC News, plumber who discovered money in wall of Joel Olstein Lakewood Church gets $20,000 reward. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep your mouth shut is basically what yeah. happened. Oh, you, you found the money. Wow. We thought this was missing. This is oh, great. It's good bad. Thing, good thing. Good thing. The burglars put, put it in our wall. I guess I'll just go buy a plane. Why would they have put it there? <laughs> the last place we looked. Isn't it always that way? 
1991, Cornerstone Magazine basically disproved every claim he's ever made. <laughs> yeah. So this Cornerstone Magazine piece, I mean, you want to talk about a, a hit piece is probably the wrong word because that usually insinuates that it's false. This, slaughter this was, piece. This was a 20,000 word <laughs> deconstruction of Mike Warnke. This just said everything he's ever said essentially was fake. Um, and, you know, like I said, they talked to family members that said he was a phony, people he went to high school with that said nothing, nothing he claims adds up. But the most interesting thing I thought, um, as far as deconstructing Mike Warnke, is not just disproving the satanic rituals that he did and the de demonic drug dealing orgy lifestyle that he claimed to lead. What I find even more interesting than that is that they both poked holes in his genuine character, <laughs> meaning, you know, now when he's giving these speeches and these, um, doing these comedy shows, he's, uh, you know, a wholesome family guy. And he writes in his book, um, I forget if this is the video you could clarify this. I forget if it's the Satan Seller or uh, the second book that he wrote. But a lot of it is about his wife. I think it's I think it's the Satan Seller. That a lot of it is about his wife, Sue, and how much of a bond they have and how she has been his rock. And, you know, he turned to her and she helped him with his faith, all of that. The, Sue is the mother of his t first two children. Well, yeah, uh, he was cheating. He, he was cheating on Sue constantly, uh, <laughs> particularly with a woman named Carolyn, who he cheated on Carolyn. Uh, I'm sorry, he cheated on Sue with Carolyn. They get divorced, and I forget if I have my notes there, Craig. Does it say how quickly he remarried or he got married to Carolyn after his divorce with Sue? Um, no, this different wife. This is like fourth marriage, but it says when Mike and Carolyn were getting married. Uh, yeah, so it was it was discovered when Mike and Carolyn were getting married that there was a third mistress involved. So apparently, oh. um, <laughs> who could believe it? This guy seems like a real peach. It's shocking. He's got to be hung pretty good. The fact that any woman ever looked at that man and was like, I got to get me some of that. Mm. <laughs> it blows my fucking mind. He is one of the most unattractive humans I've ever seen. It's if, if a bush what? light was a person. <laughs> I can't even see him. That's just the vibe I get. But I think you're right. So, mullet. I mean, it's luscious. It has got like the waves in it all the way down. It's ridiculous. So Mike Mike Warnke leaves Sue high and dry. Says, "Hit the bricks, bitch, and take your kids with you." And uh, he move. I think he moves to Denver with uh, Carolyn. Now. A lot of the people in uh, Mike's inner circle try to talk, sit them down and talk to him and say, like, you know, you're going down a bad path here. Carolyn, are you sure you want to do this? All They try to talk some sense into these two crazy kids. And Carolyn goes, no, 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 I want to get married. This is, you know, very shortly after his uh, marriage to Sue ended. So they're going to get married immediately after. And Carolyn says, my only issue with getting married is Mike's other mistress. So while he was banging Carolyn, he assured Carolyn, hey, you're the only gal for me, other than you know, this dumb wife I have at home, but I'll get rid of her, don't worry. <laughs> but Carolyn then found out he has a third mistress on the line. So despite that, she still gets married, 
And this is where claims of abuse now take over. Uh. So I don't know if there's anything prior to the marriage with Carolyn in Mike's history where he was abusive. Maybe he was abusive to Sue as well. That I'm not sure about. Uh, but Carolyn is where it took an uglier turn and domestic violence comes into the picture. And finally, um, Carolyn ended up leaving when I guess she was beaten so badly that just mentally she had no choice um, but to leave this guy. So cheating still in play. And then you add domestic violence into the picture. The guy seems like a real gem. How could you not get married over and over again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it says uh, Carolyn left him after physical violence in 1979. And he married. Yes, we're, only, we're only in 79, by the way, folks, yeah. as far as marriages go here. <laughs> yeah. And he married Rose, the mistress in question here, 34 days after that. Yeah. So this guy couldn't, he, one thing he stuck to in the Christian faith is he wasn't having sex when he wasn't married. He was having <laughs> sex outside of his marriage all the time. But this guy was constantly married. He made sure of that. He was still married when he had sex. It didn't matter that it wasn't his <laughs> wife. That's right. And that, my friends, is the loophole. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't understand. But now, we've talked about this not quite to that extent, 34 days. But a lot of comedians we've talked about where it's like they get divorced and within a year, they're remarried. And this will happen, you know, three or four, five times sometimes. And it's like, what possibly is making you get married again? You go through, not only, have to go through, not only do you go through the divorce process, you are just funneling money into these women's pockets. You're just losing all your money. Why are you doing this to yourself? So it's a big Ric Flair question. I think he's on like seventh marriage. He just can't be alone, I think. I don't Larry know. King was another guy where I think he was like seven or eight marriages. It's cr it's crazy that they do that to themselves. But yeah, Mike Warnke needed to be married. Now, Rose, at least, was his greatest business partner of all time. <laughs> Rose loved it. When Rose, uh, Rose knew what she was in for. You can question Carolyn and Sue. How do you get wrapped up in this guy? Rose saw a dollar sign. Yeah, she, she was a business lady. She was a real mob wife. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was in it to win it. Um, so Rose is the one that I mentioned uh, that was part of this, uh, you know, $2 million a year scheme that they were running. They also wrote um, two books. One was on, um, I'm sorry. The, the first book that they wrote was basically on um, breaking up amicably. It was teaching people how to get divorced, which they did in 1984 or 85, I believe. Um, and then it's, it's later when uh, Rose wrote about like almost shooting him and more physical violence, all this, the stuff that was really happening. <laughs> Rose confessed to like, that later. He's just yeah. chasing this woman all over the place with gun. There was guns all over the house. <laughs> it's completely insane. Yeah, so it's crazy. And meanwhile, um, Mike Warnke and his crew is posse. He had an entourage, and they're all going out and getting shit faced, and you know, chasing trim and banging beaver every night. <laughs> like they were not doing anything to cover. It's so I watched the show uh, Righteous Gemstones. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a very funny show starring Danny McBride. And my one like kind of hang up with it is they cur they openly curse so much that how has no one been like, well, that's a little odd. You know what I mean? Like that's not uh, uh, pasture 
um, like behavior, preacher like mm-hmm. behavior. Mike Warnke was so open about it, like he would be in bars and casinos and all this shit, just openly behaving like this. Again, I get there's no video or, you know, not as much. There's, there's no uh, cell phone at this time. But still, how is no one like, this guy seems a little off, <laughs> you know? It's amazing that until 91, until that article, his character was just never questioned. It's great. It's the biggest, it's the biggest scam in comedy history for sure. I think that Mike Warnke was running. It's crazy. You know, they're like, honestly, possibly a bigger scam than Cosby. This guy was running. It's, I think it's comparable for sure. Obviously not to the extent Cosby was significantly more famous and I think uh, raped a lot more women. Cosby only made 2 million one year. People were getting fired. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But like, if you're comparing it to scale, like Mike Moore-Warnke was much smaller scale, but I do think it's a comparable scheme he was running. Like these guys were just living completely fake lives. And this also, this mentioning Cosby reminded me of this. Uh, you hear a lot of guys say this. It's always the clean guys you got to look at because it's they're they're hiding something. Now, like Nate, a guy like Nate Bergazzi and Brian. Well, Brian Regan's a bad example because I've heard he's a bit of a drunk. But Nate Bergazzi, like, genuinely seems like kind of a family guy that doesn't curse, and his material's not like preaching any family values or anything. So, like, that's a clean comedian that I kind of believe lives by those standards but it's always guys like mike warnke and bill cosby who are telling uh you know telling you to find faith in god or telling black people to pull their pants up it's those guys that you got to look at (laughs) guys that are preaching uh something don't generally practice it when anybody tries to push clean living as like an agenda that's when i'm i i get suspicious yes <sighs> Anything, uh, any more notes, Craig, before we get to our final uh, final clip? Uh, his last note, his fourth marriage came six weeks after Rose left him and made out with quite well financially, is what it says here. This guy, he loved a good marriage. Oh, yeah, so Rose, I guess, did pretty well in the divorce. And then Mike was like, anyone else want to take my money in a couple of years? <laughs> and uh, some sucker <laughs> stepped up to the plate, and he got married for the fourth time. So... Uh, he was, you got to at least give him this. If we're going to give Mike Warnke credit for one thing, uh, he must've had charisma or something. Cause he convinced a lot of people of a lot of shit. Mike, I think we're missing something here. His current wife and his last wife, I believe it's Carolyn. Again? I think he got back together with no. his first wife. Yes. He, I think he got back together. He is Larry King. Wife. So I know the last one. So I know he went to school with, I think, Sue. Sue was his first wife. Whoever the... One of them he remarried. I know that. Can we look that up, Craig? Sure. Uh, God forbid we just the name of Mike Warnke here. I want to make sure our facts are correct. What's crazier? This this guy's story... This is the most devastating thing we've talked about. We're like, well, Vinny, that's crazy. (laughs) He wouldn't get another woman, Mike. Nobody else would go with him after 91. (laughs) What's crazier? This guy like the Peter Shigala story. You know what? I was trying... This is... You're right. I don't know how I didn't think of Shickley when I mentioned Tom Myers and that fan. Shickley is the most obscure episode we've done before this. I think this is definitely crazier. And I'll tell you why. It's crazy that we don't all, we should all know this story. That's why when Vinny suggested it, I was kind of like, 
eh, who gives a fuck? I've never heard of this guy. And then the more I was reading up on him, I was like, we got, I can't believe more people don't know this. It's crazy to me. Um, millions of dollars, <clears throat> millions of albums sold. He yes. sold so many comedy albums in all of those Christian bookstores. They'd have cardboard cutouts of Mike Warnke. Yeah. Yeah, go um, check out Hey Doc. It's on YouTube if you guys want to check it out. That was his, I think that was uh, his, his biggest hit uh, special or album, whatever you want to call it. That's the one where he's dressed up like he's in the muck in Vietnam. His face is all like he's got camo makeup and stuff on. <laughs> yes. And then when you get into his albums in the 80s, they have wackier covers, Mike. There's yeah. one of them wearing like a full tuxedo, but only boxer shorts and sneakers. And he's oh walking the dog and he's got a full top hat on. And it's like, I'm a little bit weird or something like that was the name of it. What's funny is like, that's funny if you're Steve Martin with an arrow through your head, who's making fun of the idea of that comic. Yeah. But Mike Warnke, I think is legitimately like pretty zany, huh, gang? What do you think? So <laughs> exactly. in my underwear. That's nuts. So he married uh, Sue Stutter in 1967. The most recent one is Susan Patton. So different okay. Susan. Uh, you know where you might have gotten confused over any? I think he went to high school with both. Okay. He went but, to high school with two different wives. But he so learned from uh, he learned from his, his mistakes. They got married in 91 or still married. So. Oh, yeah. This is the other crazy thing. I did. I, pro, I think I, fr I made it seem like Mike Warnke is no longer with us. He's still alive and has a YouTube channel, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> it's not so, good. It's not great. <laughs> It's rough, and he, I got to be honest, he doesn't update it. He could use a hack ride or someone to clean that up a little bit. He doesn't update it enough. His thumbnails aren't great, you know? <laughs> so uh, we will play our, our last clip just to show you the oh. growth that he's had in comedy over the years. What happened to his neck? <laughs> this is, I wanted to ask you guys. I don't see well. Is this the same guy? <laughs> yeah. Dude, his head is attached to his shoulders now. I was, I was like, gonna, we're still doing the beer analogy. He went from the bush light to like the Heineken keg can. It's basically <laughs> how he looks now. <laughs> it's it's uh he's at he's at a rough go, Mike Warnke, but he's he's still kicking. And I just wanted to give you a taste. You know, this Cornerstone magazine besmirched a great man, and we missed out on one of the great observational comedians we could have had. I discovered something, and it's oat milk. I did not know that there was such a thing as oat milk. And I was given oat milk to taste, and I tasted it. And it's, it's that stuff that is left over in the Cheerios after you eat all the Cheerios. Yes, wonky, wonky, wonky. Oh, no. People have figured a way to sell the stuff that's left in the bowl after you eat the Cheerios. It's like blackened chicken. Somebody in New Orleans figured a way to get Yankees to eat burned chicken. What a different era he's living in. And they in. came up with, the, it's blackened, it's burnt Okay. Good Metallica song. I mean, I, I grew up with women that knew how to make chicken. You know, I, I, I grew up with women that knew how to make collard greens. You know what I'm saying? They knew what a black eyed pea was and what harmony was for. I mean, I, 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 I grew up with grits. Okay. And I know burn chicken when I see it. <laughs> 
sperm chicken. They said, let's give it a real cool name and Yankees will eat this. He does stand up like Randy Newman sings. Why is the devil so angry? You seem pretty powerful. What are you so mad about? He's just doing this bit stuff, thinking about the, you know, the 80s, his heyday, when people were chopping <laughs> off their fingers and throwing them at the stage for him. I well, mean... I'm glad you mentioned the 80s because I pulled that specific bit because it's it's so 80s. Mm-hmm. It was such hack observational material. Well, they're, se- they're selling the oat milk. That's just what do you get. Why not Polar Bowl Cheerios? <laughs> That's the thing that does make me crazy about all of his stand-up. He repeats what he thinks is the funny part over and over again, ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Oat milk. I discovered oat milk. Is this a hippie deal? Is this one of them hippie deals? I don't want to be a hippie deal. I thought it was a Jesus well, deal. It's the same thing. He just hammers the punchline into the fucking ground, and it's not even a punchline. Well, we always talk about influence. Maybe he was a big influence on Chris Rock. Chris Rock kind of does that, you know? <laughs> there's Christians, and then there's Catholics. <laughs> Christians have got to go. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's interesting because both based on the material – and the the depth or lack thereof of his lies, it's amazing that he rose to such prominence. The fact that this guy was making millions, was selling a ton of albums, was touring all over the country. He was a big deal in Christian comedy. And I don't understand how it happened. I don't understand how he fleeced that entire world, meaning, you know, the, the religious comedy crowd. Again, it. Maybe it's a much smaller world than the likes of, you know, whoever Sam Kinison were dealing in at that time. But like, that's a big enough audience. And in the eighties, you got to remember like a large portion of the country was still religious. So you have to imagine a decent amount of people knew this guy's name and knew his story and just no one called him out on it. You know, I grew up in a very, very religious household, as I told you before. And I went to a Christian high school and stuff like that. And one of the things that would happen, like it was very interesting Everything that was happening out, happening out in the world in terms of entertainment, music, and styles and stuff was always two or three years behind into the Christian culture. Right. Like the style of music was always, you know, a couple of years behind. Yeah. Everything yeah. was like always just a little behind. And when the comedy boom happened, they got Mike Warnke. <laughs> this is I got. There's too many clubs. There's way too many clubs. Yeah, they got Mike Warnke. So, do you think there's anything we missed in the saga of Mike Warnke, Vinny? No, man, he sucks pretty hard. And <laughs> will we be inducting him into the Creep Off uh, Hall of Fame someday? If you if you would like to join us one day, yeah, maybe, maybe if he uh, if we could prove he actually ate someone's finger and murdered a woman then yeah maybe because <laughs> we can honestly probably find someone that did all these things he's claimed it's just not him <laughs> yeah you wonder i mean he's at least a creative writer if nothing else unless he just ripped the right. story off of someone who actually did all this but <laughs> might have been <laughs> it's uh, just the whole thing is make them up after make them up after make them up that all vaguely sound like they could be real so yes he is creative but he's also a hack like well, that's just, the crazy thing is like the amount of shit that Steve Renazizi had to eat for making up the 9-11 lie. And yes, it's a, it's a weird lie to tell, but that's one story. Mike Warnke, everything in his life was a lie. And, pe- and he was a, you know, a well-known comic 
and people just don't know this story. It's very strange to me that that a bigger Extremely. deal was not made of this. It's not. Warnke's lies were way crazier than Ranzizi's lies. That's, like that's lying about five nine eleven, yeah. you know, is something else, and you have to eat a lot of shit. This guy is like murdering and cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you would th- cannibalism. What I'm oh, what I'm most surprised by is that this story didn't transcend, you know, the Christian circles. Meaning, like, you know, Cornerstone Magazine wrote about it, and people in that world knew about it. But I'm surprised, like, you could easily make a great Netflix documentary about this guy. Oh, easily. I don't know why it hasn't happened. It's strange to me because there seems like a lot of a lot of juice there. Even it would be a good movie. It would be a good HBO miniseries. You could do a lot of shit with Mike Warnke's story because it's yeah, endlessly you, fascinating. You can call it faking a murderer. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> kids are just waiting for till he's dead till they can sell the rights. That's true. Yeah, maybe that's that's a good point. Um, all right, guys. So if you want to hear about more creeps like Mike Warnke, I mentioned uh, the Creep Off Hall of Fame. I was on recently. Me and uh, oh. Carl and Vinny inducted Chris D'Elia, one of my favorite subjects, mm-hmm. into uh, the Creep Off Hall of Fame. You can find that on their Patreon, and you can listen to the Creep Off every Monday. Right, Vinny? That's right. Every Monday, live at 1, we are on the WATP YouTube channel, as well as the Creep Off YouTube channel, live broadcasting, Mondays at 1. Wow, a simulcast. And uh, so go subscribe to the Creep Off. Check them out. Uh, Love Carl and Vinny, our two most frequent guests on this program. Yep. Um, Bookability is a big factor on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Availability. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, once you're you're done listening to the Creep Off, head on over to blindmike.net. He mentioned the Who Are These Podcasts YouTube channel. That's also where you can find Who Are These Socials every Thursday at 6 if you want to check that out. Uh, Or if you want to listen later, the links are at blindmike.net. Links for this show. Uh, everywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever. Same with Blind Mike Project. If you want to check out any of those shows, support the show for free. Go to blindmike.net. Go to our YouTube channel. You can watch uh, all these episodes as well as the Blind Mike Project and all the clips and stuff we put out. Subscribe there. Uh, if you want to become a YouTube member, you can. You get bonus episodes of Why You Laughing uh, every single month, as well as these episodes a week early. So if you're like, hey, I love hearing from Vinny, but I wish it was last week. I don't know. I don't want to wait so long. Then uh, you can become a YouTube member or join our Patreon. Um, if you join the Patreon, you can watch Quincy as well. All other bonus stuff that we do there. So uh, join the Patreon. Subscribe if you want to support the show that way. We appreciate it. All those links are at blindmike.net. Check those out. And you can check out Craig and all. Of I mean, if you think Mike Warnke <laughs> was a bad it. boy. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> if you think Mike Warnke yeah. pushed it to the edge, mm-hmm. then get ready to get shoved off with very good show. Yes. And uh, Craig and his band of merry men. Yeah, yeah. You can go to a verygoodshow.org if you want to support those gentlemen. Yes, thank you. Vinny, thank you for doing it. You guys we'll rule. You thank you for having me. We'll have you back soon, I'm sure. And uh, to the rest of you guys, we'll see you next time on Why Are You Laughing? Zip it up. And zip it out. Yeah.